Uh, this is Pastor Rob Barber of Bethel Church in Tempers Plains, Ohio, where our mission is connecting people to God. Welcome to our podcast. I'm very excited to share the Word of God with you today, because according to Romans 10:17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I trust this message will increase your faith as you listen to what God has for you today. God bless and enjoy. All right, we're going to talk about uh, in this manner pray this morning is the title title of the message and uh, I've been a, uh, asking everyone to engage in spiritual warfare over this next month because October is a very uh, a significant time in regards to the occult most uh, occult practitioners believe that Halloween is a very significant holiday on their calendar. Uh, they, some of them believe it's one of their highest holidays. But regardless, all, almost all the occult practitioners believe that Halloween is a, an important time. And uh, we as Christians believe that, uh, that even though this may be an important time for the, the occult, it's also an opportunity for believers to take a stand for what is right, what is good, and to overcome darkness with light. The occult is, the, in its broadest sense, is a category of esoteric, supernatural beliefs and practices which generally fall outside of the scope of religion and science. It includes magic, sorcery, mysticism, witchcraft, Satanism, voodoo, wizardry, and any practice associated with spells, incantations, and things of that nature. It also uh, includes fortune-telling, tarot cards, palm reading, Ouija boards, it can also refer to the pseudo science such as extrasensory, sensory perception, and parapsychology. All these things can be considered a part of a cult. The most significant battle uh, that we face is against the powers of darkness, and it's supernatural. Although we see it manifest in the natural realm. The battle is really supernatural. And the battle for us, uh, the way that we wage war in most cases is by seeking God in prayer and praying against the forces of darkness. So, so I thought that we should talk about prayer and what Jesus taught us about prayer and to understand that part of what Jesus taught us about prayer was to engage in uh, spiritual warfare. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 15, if you want to turn there. Matthew 6, 5 through 15. Although we're going to be reading from there, I think it's also important to point out that in Luke, uh, this, the account of this asking Jesus, uh, or Jesus teaching about prayer, his disciples ask him, point blank ask him, teach us to pray. So what we're looking at here and, uh, is a model prayer. And what, what I mean by that is that Jesus never intended for us to specifically 
pray this prayer, although it's okay to pray this, this prayer, He never intended us to specifically pray this in our prayer time. What He meant for us to do is to use this as a guideline for our prayer time. To understand how we're supposed to pray. What it means to enter in to the presence of our Father. It is very important that we recognize that our prayer life is vitally important. Prayer pulls down strongholds. Prayer protects. Prayer keeps. Prayer directs. Prayer causes us to be on the right track. And we can pray any time, any place, no matter where we are. Prayer is merely communication with our Heavenly Father. And when we communicate with Him, He communicates back with us. He answers our prayers. A lady came out of the grocery store and she had locked her keys in her car. Didn't know what she was going to do. She didn't know how to get in. But she had heard somebody say, well, you can use a, uh, a uh, cloak, coat hanger and reach in and unlock your, your door. Um, so she didn't have a coat, hang coat hanger. She looked around. She found an old rusty coat hanger laying probably where somebody had done the same thing, discarded it. And then she picked it up, and she was standing there not knowing what to do, and she just prayed, God, send somebody to help me. No more than she prayed that when a guy pulled up on a Harley right beside her in the next parking place. He was a pretty rough-looking dude. And at first, she was a little scared. But as she was standing there dismayed, the guy said, Lady, can I help you? And she explained to him what was going on. He came over, and in seconds, he had her door unlocked, just like that. She said, Oh, thank you. You are such a wonderful man. She said, I just prayed. And God, I asked God to... Send me someone that could help me. And you are so wonderful. He said, lady, I'm not wonderful. I just got out of prison for auto theft. <laughs> she said, praise the Lord. You, God, you sent me a professional. <laughs> Hallelujah. That prayer does work. And I do believe that when we're in situations like that, we can call out to God, and He does send us help, and he'll, he'll hear our prayers. So the first thing we're going to look at this morning, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, first couple of verses. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So my first point is, do not be a pretender. And that's what Jesus is talking about here as far as a hypocrite. A hypocrite is a pretender, an, a stage actor, a player, someone who is playing uh, um, taking on a role rather than being real, uh, an actor. 
few years ago, Barna Research conducted a, a three-year study about the church. It was published in a, in a book uh, called Unchristian. The results really wasn't very shocking because what they found out was that uh, a lot of non-Christians believe that a lot of Christians are hypocrites. And they may have some legitimate uh, concerns about that because, you know, we all know that hypocrites go to church. No doubt about that. People uh, sometimes live double lives. Now, I would say the majority of Bible, basic Bible-believing Christians are not hypocrites. But we do make mistakes sometimes. And here's the thing. The world is watching, and sometimes they're just waiting for an opportunity to accuse us of things. So if we do make mistakes, then they like to call us hypocrites. Well... I believe we're just people who make mistakes many times. And we do need forgiveness. And the great thing about it is that when we do make those mistakes and we do things that are wrong that seem to other people that are hypocritical, we still have a Savior, an advocate, according to the Scripture, that we can go to. And we're forgiven of those things. And praise God. It's not because we're hypocrites. It's because we're real people trying to live in a real world where there's lots of issues and situations that occur. So I would say the accusation that most Christians are hypocrites is probably unfounded. But we know that that's true. I, I could tell you growing up in the church uh, stories about people that, uh, you know, they certainly were living a double life, a double standard. You know, doing things on Friday night and Saturday night and then showing up on Sunday morning to church. Uh, drinking, partying, doing all kinds of crazy things. I don't understand that kind of lifestyle. I never have. You're either in or you're out. You cannot have your feet in both worlds. Jesus is going to reject those people. And I feel for someone who thinks that they can play games with God. But here's what I want you to understand. Jesus isn't condemning public prayer here. But he is condemning people who act religious publicly, but in their heart, their whole goal is to please men. These leaders that he was talking to thought that they were better than the average person. Boy, do we see that today in the elite of our world. Call, Paul called them false teachers, hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared. In other words, they had convinced themselves that, that they were above any condemnation, any outside standard. So it's no surprise that they themselves did not follow the teachings that they taught other people. In our nation today, we have a group of people that are just like that. We call them politicians. Jesus called the religious leaders hypocrites for anything they did with selfish motives. Because their desire was not to please God, but to 
for men to look at them and give them praise. Jesus called them hypocrites for many different reasons. For giving to be seen by men, for fasting to be seen by men, for praying to be seen by men, observing all kinds of religious traditions just to please men. This is what Jesus said about hypocrites. Matthew 15, 8. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but the heart is far from me. We do not want to have a heart far from our God. We want to have a heart like David, a heart after God, that chases after God, that wants to be close to God. So what conclusion do we draw with this one? Well, I think it's this. Public prayer from a pure heart honors God because it comes from a life molded by private prayer. It's not wrong for us to pray publicly. But if it's going to make an impact when we pray, it's going to have to be a lifestyle. It's going to have to come from a lifestyle of praying and seeking our Father. Someone once said that secret, fervent, believing prayer lies the, the root of all personal godliness. And that's probably very true. The second thing I want to talk to you that, this morning about, do not babble. Matthew 6, 7, and 8. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions. That's where he's talking about babbling. As the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their, own, for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Vain repetitions. It means to repeat the same thing over and over. To use many and idle words. It means to, to babble. I believe that what it's referring to is chanting like the worshipers of, of Baal would do. You know, we know the story of Elijah when he, uh, he encountered the, the, the worshipers of Baal on Mount Carmel. And they set up an altar, and he challenged them to call down fire to uh, consume the, uh, the offering. And, of course, they chanted and chanted and chanted and danced around and even cut themselves. They did everything they could think of to call, their, call upon their God, and nothing happened. And all Elijah had to do was speak the word, and the fire of God came down and consumed the offering. You see, we don't, have to, we don't have to have many words with our prayers. We just have to have sincere motives with our prayer life. So first, Jesus instructs us on what we should not do. We just talked about that. Now he's going to instruct us on how to pray. So here we go. Matthew 6, 9. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus thought that God was more than just a powerful deity able to smash men like bugs, and He is, no doubt about it. But on the contrary of that, on the other side, Jesus taught that God is a compassionate Father that loves 
his children and has a desire for a personal relationship with us. So, according to Scripture, because our God is such an awesome, powerful God, our Father who loves us, we can enter His throne with boldness. Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can boldly come there because our Father... Our Father, God, wants to have a relationship with us. But as we enter in, what do we do? We reverence Him. You are holy. You are awesome. You are mighty. You are a powerful God. That's the, that's the opening door to entering into the presence of God in our prayer life. It causes the doors to, wi- to swing wide open as we enter into the presence of our God. Romans 8, 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom you cry, Abba, Father. In this scripture, there's two different languages used that, that's interpreted to, into English, Aramaic and Greek. Both of them mean Father, or you know, Abba and Apatha, uh, both mean Father. Father, so he was repeating, Father, Father. Or more intimate term that we would use would be Daddy, Daddy. So when we enter in, we're entering into his presence knowing that he is our Daddy. Daddy. That's, that's such an intimate term as far as I'm concerned. You know, when I was growing up, My dad worked many long hours trying to provide for his family, worked at Union Carbide. And when he would come home in the evenings, we lived up on this big hill and there was a driveway that came down. And I would run down to meet my dad. And I was just a little guy. And he would embrace me and I would get on his feet and he'd walk stiff-legged all the way up that driveway. Probably, I don't know how far it was, 30 yards more. But as I ran down that driveway, my dad's arms were wide open. He was ready to embrace me. That's the kind of relationship we have with our father. That's what he, he's waiting for us. And we went, when we come to him and we recognize who he is and how powerful he is, he embraces us and he brings us into his bosom. Romans 8:16 says the spirit himself bears with us with our spirit that we are children of God, sons of God, daughters of God, children of a mighty God. With great reference we enter into His presence always. Fourth thing I'll share with you this morning, this morning, your will be done. Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is telling us that we should always desire God's will to be done in every situation in our life. We have 
a will, and we have desires, and we're able to ask God for those things. We'll see that in a moment. But we should always desire that God's will be done. In Matthew 26, 39, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, just before his crucifixion. Oh, my Father, if it possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Your will be done, Father, even in this situation. And our prayer should always be, Father, I'm asking you to do this situation, this particular way. But most important, Father, let your will be done. And His will is so, so very important in our life. Let it always be done and done properly. A young man wanted to to climb the Alps and he wasn't much of a a mountain climber, so he hired a couple professionals, a couple serpers to lead him, one in front, one in back, and they climbed for many, many hours. They finally got almost to the summit, and the leader stepped aside, and he wanted the young man to, to experience the, the majesty of what it was like to, to, to enter, uh, to step upon the, uh, the summit of the mountain. And the young man was so excited uh, that he jumped up to his feet and started to stand up on the summit, forgetting that the, the winds, the gale winds at the summit could sweep you off your feet and down the mountain. He had forgot all about that. And his guide grabbed him. And pulled him to the ground. And he said, the only safe place up here is on your knees. The only safe place in this life is on our knees in prayer with our Father. That's what we must always keep in mind. Our prayer life is very powerful. Our God is expecting us to come to Him. And ask Him for things. But He, most importantly, we must say to Him, Your will be done. But in this next place, Jesus says, Ask for daily bread. Give us food. Matthew 6, 11, Give us this day. Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, Give us this day our daily bread. Bread, the Greek word here, literally means bread. Sustenance. Thank you, Lord, we should pray for providing for our needs. But this is a place where we, when, you know, where we can ask God for stuff in our life. Not only food, but whatever it is that uh, we desire for God to provide for us. Jesus encourages us to ask the Father to meet our needs and bless our life and our family. He's not expecting us to go through this life without having stuff in our life. He recognizes that that's important and that we need to be able to have certain things that meet our needs, but even above and beyond that. Martin Luther 
the great reformer, wrote in 1529, he said this, What does daily bread mean? Everything that nourishes our body meets its needs, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, yard, fields, cattle, money, possessions, a devout spouse, devout children, devout employees, devout and faithful rulers, good government, peace, health, discipline, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and other things like these. It just about covers everything in life, doesn't it? That's what Jesus is saying to us here. This is a time where you ask, seek, knock, because He wants to answer. Philippians 4.19 And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus is encouraging us to ask for the good life. Live our life to the best of our ability. But it's okay to ask for the good life. I know there's a lot of naysayers these days telling us that we shouldn't do that. But God wants his people to be blessed. There's no doubt about that. The The Father never condemns us for having stuff or asking him for stuff. But what he does is forbid us from allowing stuff to have us. And that can be a struggle for some people. So we should be thankful every day for provisions, for blessings, for direction. Number five, forgive my debts. Matthew 6, 12. And forgive us our debtors as we forgive our, give us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Debt is that which is justly or legally due. Jump down with me to, to verse 14 and 15. It says, uh, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will, forgive, will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Here, Jesus continues to talk about forgiveness and how important it is to forgive others. He uh, is linking it back to that scripture that he was talking about forgive us of our debts because he was talking about things that people do to us or something that someone owes us. But he uses a different word here, a different Greek word. The Greek word here means a lapse or deviation from truth and uprightness. It's a sin. So he's talking about, he's linking these two things together and he's saying that if people sin against you, you're required to forgive them. So we're from, we are commanded to forgive, but also we are commanded to pray that God forgive us just like we're forgiving others. I believe the reason He commands us to pray that way is a reminder to us how important it is for us to walk in forgiveness. Don't forget it every day. Say to the Father, Father, forgive me as I forgive other people. If we pray that, I can guarantee you, when you have the opportunity to harbor harbor unforgiveness in your heart for somebody, you'll think twice about it. In the parable of the unforgiving servant, Jesus said this, 
And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Then Jesus makes this statement to you and to me. He says, so, after he said that, he said, so, my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you, from his heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Father, help us always to forgive. Number six, deliver us from evil. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is a place in our prayer life where we pray against the supernatural powers. The principalities and powers that are trying to set up their kingdom over our life, over our community, over our nation, over our world. This is spiritual warfare. This is where Jesus is telling us to get serious about fighting the forces of hell. Someone said, this is a quote, I don't know who it was, but he said this, No one is a firmer believer in prayer than the devil. Not that he practices it, but he suffers from it. And amen to that. We want the enemy to suffer from our prayer life. Let, our, let the power of God overtake the principalities and powers, the rulers of darkness. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against an enemy that is supernatural. He uses flesh and blood. He uses people. But we pull down strongholds in the spirit realm. And I believe this morning, and I've, I've mentioned to you uh, prior to this, that we were going to have a time of prayer and seeking God because of this time of year that we are in. This is, very, this is a very supernatural time of year. The forces of darkness believe, believe that the veil between the natural and the supernatural is very thin right now. Whether it is or not, I don't know. But they believe it. And they believe that this is a time for them to be able to overcome the forces of goodness and power. We believe there is never a time that they can overcome the forces of God and the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But it is important that we recognize this time that we're in and we spend some time praying and pulling down these strongholds because the enemy wants to destroy. He wants to devour. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But we have the power in the name of Jesus to overcome. So, when we wrap up this service this morning, I've asked the ushers to pass out some, uh, a list of prayers that we can be praying throughout this month uh, with Chris Deemer's help and some information from website. Uh, we've come up with uh, some prayers that we can pray and some things that we can proclaim during this time of year to help pull down the strongholds that are trying their best to overcome 
in our lives, in our family, in our community. And praise God. Recognize this. All authority has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore, go. What was he doing? He was giving us authority to go forth and proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with power. With power to be able to stand against principalities and powers. Power to pull down strongholds. God has not left us without weapons. We have weapons of warfare that are strong and powerful. And with God's help, we will accomplish all that God has called us to. In Jesus' name. As you go out the door this morning, our ushers are going to hand out the, uh, these pr this list of prayers for all of us to be able to be on the same page this month as we continue to pray and pray against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness in this world. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church, Tepper's Plains. Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails.